You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, located in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. We hope this message is helpful to you in your journey with God. For the live stream archive of our worship services, you can visit youtube.com slash cornerstonelebanonpa. Christian community is best lived out in face-to-face relationships with one another. We encourage you to physically participate in a local church setting within your area. Learn more about our faith community by visiting cornerstonelebanon.com. Dios les bendiga cada uno de ustedes abundantemente y ricamente con la gracia, la misericordia y el amor de Jesucristo. God bless you all with his grace, his mercy, and the love of Jesus Christ. Uh, I got a comment about my wardrobe today, and so I wanted to share this quickly. A pastor, friend of mine, Reginaldo Gil, he's Honduran, uh, nicknames for Hondurans are catrachos. Anyways, he's uh, pastoring the Spanish church at the Life Church, Ephrata. He saw this shirt at the store, and he said, oh, this looks like Pastor Peter. So I dressed up, I wore this shirt, so that's why I'm dressed up today. And this is my Mr. Rogers sweater. Yeah, so, uh, yep, absolutely. Um, and actually, I was wearing this at, at uh, the other church, and uh, somebody gave me Mr. Rogers socks. I didn't wear them today, but uh, next time I'll point them out to you. Anyways, good morning all. My name is uh, Peter Cook. I'm pastor of mission here at Cornerstone Christian Fellowship with the team of pastors, and it is a joy and a privilege and a pleasure to be among you today. And uh, so today, we're continuing with the light, traveling with the theme, with the light theme, traveling light uh, theme, continuing on, uh, continuing on and wandering through Luke. And today, I'm going to be focusing on chapter 11, of course, not all of it. We're going to be looking at um, uh, Luke uh, 11, 14 through 28. But I wanted to uh, remind you about what Justin did last week in regards to uh, the point of prayer and the point of practice. I will have that for you later on in the message. Uh, But last week, Justin brought forward the point of prayer is how do I justify myself? And the point of practice is, or was, to be a neighbor to someone who is undeserving. So we want you to hold on to these things, write these things down. As we come into Holy Week, there will be an opportunity to share how those things worked out, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, you will, uh, so keep track of these things, your points of prayer and points of practice. So we got the business out of the way. So talking about Luke, fun fact, Luke is the only known Gentile to have written in the New Testament. Luke's purposes in writing uh, his book or this gospel, can be considered to be a couple of things. To describe and portray Jesus' life as accurately as possible and to demonstrate clearly that Jesus was the perfect human and perfect Savior. So as we read through Luke, we refer to a lot of sicknesses and a lot of diseases and a lot of diagnoses, which is in his wheelhouse. Luke was a physician. It comes out of him naturally. Luke's writing is 
different than the other Gospels as well due to his education, his background, uh, his vocabulary, and, and, and his word usage. Not only the physician stuff, but Luke also emphasizes Jesus' relationships with different kinds of people. Luke highlights prayer. He highlights miracles. He hi- uh, women are prominently placed throughout his writings. A large portion of Luke is not found in other Gospels. So I say the word gospel. So what does gospel mean? Let's make sure we're all on the same page with that understanding. According to Merriam-Webster, the dictionary gospel is defined as the message concerning Christ, concerning the kingdom of God, and concerning salvation. Biblically speaking, gospel is the translation of the Greek noun euangelion. I'm going to need help with the pronunciation, Jim. Euangelion. Oh, I made the G soft. Okay, euangelion, okay, which means good news. And then, uh, uh, or, or the Greek verb, euangeliso, okay, maso manus, more or less, <laughs> okay, and uh, which also means to bring about the good news, uh, which both are derived from the noun angelos, angels, uh, meaning messenger. So in classical Greek history, euangelos was a messenger who brought good news of a victory in war or good news politically speaking, or good personal news, news that brought joy. Oh, you think about Jesus, that's some really good news and should really bring us joy, yeah? And in this fallen and broken world, we need a little bit of, or a lot of, good news. Jesus is the object of the gospel, period. Jesus is the good news. Luke was passionate about being the messenger, being an evangelist, as being in the one who wanted to share and does share the good news. Passionate about letting as many people as possible know what and who the good news is and was. And by using his giftings and writing down as accurately as possible, as we mentioned before, the life and times of Jesus, even though He was not an eyewitness to Jesus' life. Luke wanted to record to preserve the foundations of Christian beliefs for the generations to come, which, by the way, is us. So some of the themes in Luke are are as follows. Jesus Christ as Savior, as the Savior. Another one is his accuracy of recording historical fact and truth. Uh, another theme is highlighting the relationships of different people with Jesus, like I mentioned before. And, 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 and another is compassion, uh, uh, clearly depicting Jesus' genuine love and care of everyone. And the last theme, the fifth one, the, the constant presence of the Holy Spirit throughout the birth, the life, the ministry, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, 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 he, he emphasizes the, the, the dependence that Jesus had on the Holy Spirit to do what he did. So let's go ahead and take care of reading the scripture so that we're all on the same page with that as well. Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 28. Now, I enjoy when they break out and put subtitles and stuff 
it kind of gives a foreshadow of what's coming, yeah? So in my NIV, it states this as the, as the subtitle, Jesus Answers Hostile Accusations. Verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. When the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebub. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come to you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted in and divides up the spoils. He, uh, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. When an evil spirit comes out of a man, it goes through uh, arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the the final condition of that man is worse than the first. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Nursed you. <coughs> Excuse me. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. The, the word of the Lord. So there's a lot of things in these verses, and I want to focus on a couple of them. So Jesus is performing a miracle with witnesses present, and by the power of the Holy Spirit in him is he doing these things. The accusations are from those who were against Jesus or, or simply didn't understand who Jesus is. Jesus gives lessons in collaboration. This, this house divided, falling, uh, Jesus challenges the accusers as well. Jesus reveals that the kingdom of God has come, even though many didn't believe it or could see it. Jesus shares the parable of the truth of power over the perception of power. The truth of power over the perception of power. The strong man thought he could keep all his stuff and save himself and save all his stuff. And his lesson was there's always somebody stronger. Jesus talks about how to care for our house, ourselves. Jesus also uh, talks about his mother uh, as being, uh, well, he hears his mother being recognized and being blessed for birthing and, and raising him up, but he declares there's others that are more blessed when they hear and obey the word of God. This is what's all 
tumbling about in this section of Scripture. Specifically here, the Gospels of Matthew and Mark uh, in this section, uh, the similarities and differences, um, do have similar accounts of, the, of these events, but uh, Matthew and Mark indicate that Jesus was engaging with the Pharisees, while in Luke, he's engaging with the crowd. And the, uh, the location of where these events took place are different within these the Gospels. But these details are really quite secondary to the lessons and the messages that we are to glean from these scriptures. Mark was focused on emphasizing Jesus' power demonstrated through his miracles, while Luke was focused on emphasizing the variety of reactions from those who witnessed Jesus' miracles. Their reactions based on what was impressed upon them as they witnessed these things. Or, yeah, Luke's highlighted reaction to Jesus' miracle of casting out a mute demon are these things. He says, or he um, uh, refers to these things. Accusing Jesus of being the devil, therefore rejecting who Jesus is. Others unconvinced or were wishy-washy, vacillating back and forth about who Jesus is, and they're requesting another miracle to help them decide. So Jesus casts out this mute, this mute demon. This man speaks. It's, wow, how did he do that? Well, for goodness sakes, if there was a demon in him, the leader of demons is probably in charge. That's the assumption. Or if it really was a miracle, let's confirm it and have another one. Okay, let's see another one take place. This is, this is the commentary. These are the questions, these are the accusations coming from the crowd. So why? Why, why do we have these scriptures? Why, do we, why am I choosing these scriptures today? Just to sum up, I consider uh, this message to be, uh, in, in this section of scriptures, to be only two choices for us to make. There's only two choices, really, in life for us to make. We, in this modern world, think there's a third, and it's literally not true. The two choices are God or Satan. You're going to be in eternity somewhere. It's going to be heaven or it's going to be hell. Our secular world wants us to believe there are alternatives, and they try very hard to create these alternatives. Uh, reason, logic, there has to be a reasonable and logical answer for why this man who couldn't speak before is now speaking, for example. We'd like to reason things out. We like to say, oh, that's a coincidence. Okay, when we see these miracles happen in front of us. Or we say, oh, I'm not sure that really was a miracle. Let me see another one. Okay, there's that doubt, that uncertainty, that lack of commitment to fully believe. This man could not talk, and all of a sudden he was talking. Some of the crowd were made, uh, some of the crowd were amazed. We hear that. We see that in the scriptures. But the vast majority had these challenges, these accusations, or were sitting the fence to what Jesus did and who Jesus was. Reason and logic supersede the power and the presence of the living God, then and now. In these scriptures, you have some of the crowd witnessing and assuming that Jesus is of the devil. Well, obviously we know that he was not. The proof, wanting to see the proof, the other side of that coin. 
the irony is that even if they witnessed another miracle from Jesus, they're probably still not going to believe. They're going to continue to sit the fence for as long as possible and not commit. The truth of the Word of God is the same 2,000 years ago as it is today. We are here and now in our struggles to see and to believe that the kingdom of God is among us. We struggle with choosing God over evil, hoping and expecting that there's another alternative, another way. Well, there's got to be another way. The things we can't answer, uh, the questions that we have that we can't answer, there's, there's got to be another way. There's got to be. There's gotta be. We, I can do this. I can do this in my own power. I can do this in my own strength. I can, I can figure this out, whatever it is. But we can't. We are not perfect. The parable of the strong man demonstrates this fallacy. There is always someone bigger and better. But for us, that someone is Jesus Christ. No matter if you have the right weapons, the best armor, being the biggest and the strongest, relying on these things will end in failure. Relying on these things, these things that man has made, will always end in failure. We will always be overcome. Why? As Jesus said, someone or something always is bigger and more powerful. We cannot defeat the devil on our own. We cannot defeat the devil in our own strength. We cannot defeat the devil in our own power. Jesus came to earth. Jesus, God in the flesh, he came and brought the kingdom of heaven to us. That's where our power is. That's where we need to be connected and tapped into that power, just like Jesus had the Holy Spirit doing all these things by the power of the Holy Spirit. We too, as I mentioned before a month ago, can access, have access to that Holy Spirit power ourselves. Consistency. Consistency in our lives. Consistency with Jesus. So we encounter the the, uh, Jesus' parable about the evil spirit coming out of someone. Uh, the house is clean. Um, and to me, this, this clean house, it symbolizes that, that we are reorganizing or reordering our life. The clean house is us, individually. But we lacked the follow-through uh, to keep the house clean and fill it with the right kind of stuff. And that right kind of stuff is what? It's the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, like I just mentioned. Uh, uh, I ran across, a few years back, I was uh, doing some, a study and, and some teaching on, on worry and anxiety. And so I ran across uh, this statistic. It takes 63 days to change our thinking. Remember the 40 days of purpose. It takes 40, 40 days to change a habit and restart a new one. Okay, that's a habit. That's an action. Our thinking is 63 days on average to change our thinking. 
The other statistic uh, paired with that is most of us give up after four days. Okay? You're not going to be consistent if you give up after four days. Those four days were just enough to clean the house, but nothing else. And once the house was cleaned, then what happened? The house was clean. It didn't get filled with the right kind of stuff, the Holy Spirit. Often, our faith is on the surface. It's only four days old, if you will. We just cleaned the house, and we let it open for more bad stuff, seven times more in the parable, to come in and things actually get worse. We might have cleaned, but in that cleaning process, we really don't choose Jesus. We act like we choose Jesus, but that consistency and commitment is not fully there. We need 63 days to change our thinking. Just because we don't choose evil, we don't actively choose evil, doesn't automatically mean that we choose Jesus. There is a difference. Jesus in the scripture says um, that his mother Mary was not nearly as important as someone who hears and obeys the word and, and obeys the word of God. Isn't that striking? Jesus, born of the Virgin, selected Mary was specifically selected by God to be the vessel to bear His Son. That seems kind of important, right? But Jesus Himself, God in the flesh, declares, "Yeah, she's that's cool." But there's something more important, and that's obeying, reading and learning and knowing and obeying the Word of God. To choose Jesus or not, it's the choices. We only have two choices. It's to to choose Jesus or not. There's nothing in the middle. To choose Jesus... As we get well, yeah, as we get closer to the events of the cross, as we prepare ourselves for recognizing and responding to Jesus' actions of sacrifice on the cross, let's keep in mind what and whom we choose. And I hope it's Jesus. So the point of prayer that I want us to consider for this coming week through because of these scriptures, is this. To recognize moments throughout the week when you didn't choose Jesus. Recognize moments when you did not choose Jesus. Doesn't mean you actively chose to do wrong or to do evil, but it means that you didn't put Jesus first. You didn't choose Jesus. We do this all the time. As fallen creatures in a fallen and broken world, this is our daily, minute-by-minute struggle to keep Jesus first and foremost. Okay, so don't think yourself a failure <laughs> that, oh, I fail Jesus all the time. 
the blessing we have with Jesus is that we're forgiven. Okay? But awareness, I, I like to say that when I, was, when I was younger, I actually was younger in case you didn't realize. I was younger. And, and so I was watching uh, animation. G.I. Joe. Anybody remember the G.I. Joe animation series? Clint's going, yeah, it's right on. Okay. What was the motto at the end of that half-hour series? Knowing is half the battle. Part of what I love to do is help us to know so that our battle goes better. Right? Knowing these things is half of our battle. And with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, we can then become conquerors. Because we cannot do these things on our own. So the point of prayer is recognizing the moments throughout the week when you didn't choose Jesus. So let me give you an example. Let me see how many... I don't know if anybody here has driven with me yet except my wife. Ridden in the car with me, right? Nobody here yet. Yet. Okay. (laughs) I enjoy driving. I don't like others driving around me. Let me just say that. Well, even on the way up, right, sweetie? Yeah, okay. I don't choose Jesus when I drive. (laughs) Okay? So let me just lay that out there. I confess to you, I get angry at others when I drive. For goodness sakes, get out of my way! Or whatever. So, yeah. There's my struggle. It's just an example. Lighthearted as it might be, we have others as well. So, okay, let's use my... Our granddaughter, for example, most of you are aware, she had her surgery successful last week. But if I don't choose Jesus, where are my thoughts going to go? Well, let me, I hear some nods and some grumblings. I didn't hear the nods. I heard the grumblings. Yeah. The, if I don't choose Jesus in that situation, my anxiety, my worry is going to go through the roof. Because I can't control that situation. I got to put my trust first in Jesus before I put my trust in the uh, pediatric ophthalmologist, yeah? This is everyday life that we need to recognize whenever we come up against these things. We need to choose Jesus if we're ever going to conquer anything in our lives. Okay, point of prayer. Recognize those instances throughout the week that you didn't choose Jesus. Point of practice. Consider where you need to change your thinking so that you always choose Jesus. Then begin to change your thinking. And remember, you're going to take at least 63 days. Oh, come on, man. And this is where we look for that middle ground. This is where we start to begin to bother and, and, and uh, maybe even bribe or, or try and do something different that we don't have to have this strength of commitment. Okay? Because we don't want to commit. We don't want to commit to something that's hard. So let's go back to the examples. By driving. Okay? I need to get in the car, get behind the wheel, And what? Well, at least pray. (laughs) Pray, 
Lord Jesus, help me to have a better attitude and to love those that are around me. That's where I need to start. And I need to do that for a minimum of 63 days so that I can love the people around me as I'm driving. This is the practical way, an example, the practical way of changing my thinking. Okay? You follow? One more time. Consider where you need to change your thinking so that you always choose Jesus. Then begin to change and take 63 days. We all got these fantastic little devices. You can probably keep a counter on your calendar and count to see how far you've come. Remember, most of us give up after four. Just four days. Jesus was accused of being really bad. Being of the devil. Or if not being the devil himself. Because people did not want to believe. Did not want to see and did not understand the kingdom of heaven was there, was present. We have one up on them already. We have this history, this accurate history that Luke gave us and the other gospels, the other books of good news. We're ahead of the game. Let's stay ahead and choose Jesus. Well, I pray the worship team's going to come up. Let's pray. Father God, God Almighty, it's tough, Lord, to be your child. Let's just recognize that, Lord, before you, and I think you know this, Lord God. It is tough being your child. And our nature as humans, Lord, you know we, we like to have it easy. But you declared life was going to be hard even Back in Genesis when Adam and Eve disobeyed. From that point on, we, can know, we know that life is going to be hard. Father God, we need your strength. I need your strength. Your Holy Spirit power. The Holy Counselor with me to choose you through your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that prayer for all of us. We need more of you. But we do, Lord, need to recognize that who you are to us and for us. And sometimes, Lord, we stray and, and we think we can do these things on our own. But when we can't, when we don't, we come back to you. I pray, Lord, that we recognize that. When we fall down, to get up, we need to look to you, Heavenly Father. I thank you, God, that your son Jesus healed this man who could not speak. That he is an object lesson for us. Because, Lord, sometimes we can't speak. And without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us, we won't be able to speak. And speak up for you, Heavenly Father, when we choose you 
every day through your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for these lessons. I pray, Lord, that these lessons weigh us heavily, but in a good way for our next steps in our next days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.